Welcome to Serially Curious with Mark and Eve. My name's Eve. And I'm Mark. And we're just always curious about things. Two um, people who are just can't stop being too bloody curious about things, who chat to interesting people, who know more than them about a thing, and then report back about what they've learned. Yeah. And I, think that, I think that's what we do. It's been a while. Yeah, look, it's just one of those things of like, do we just... This is like podcast jazz. We just start doing things and see what happens, and it's improv, and unlike so many other things we do, this is no stress, no stakes, no worries, just right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's the podcast where we go, oh, oh, and then we make something out of it. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm on Gadigal land today. Where are you, Mark? I'm in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, Aotearoa, New Zealand, on the lands of the Iwi, the people who lived here for a really long time before Westerners showed up, and we've got a treaty with them called Tatiriti, and it's awesome because it says that this was their land first, and it still is, and uh, Australia should get one of those too. Yeah, that, that sounds like a really good plan. Yeah. All right. So today, we are talking about Sumatran tigers. Now, close your eyes and picture a Sumatran tiger, and I guarantee you that image in your head is a Bengal tiger, because that's what's in my head. I, don't, <laughs> I, I didn't know there was Sumatran tigers, so learned a lot, straight up. No, yeah. I kind of knew there were Sumatran tigers, but I think that's because I'm a nerd. Uh, what are we talking? Are we talking the classic orange, black stripes, like, think of a tiger, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's not like a snow tiger or anything like that. It's it's a life of pie tiger. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty classic tiger, and my friend Moody or Mahmudin Ramadana, he is taking care of them. He's a he's a conservationist and a ranger, and his current job is on the Sumatran Tiger Conservation Project. So uh, I thought it was a cool thing to have a chat with him about his work because. That's amazing. So before we get into it, you know, I like to ask, or we like to ask each other, so you know, what are you bringing us and why? You don't need to answer that because you already said it. It's tigers. They're awesome. But maybe can you tell us a bit about how you knew Moody from before and, and how this chat came about? Yeah. So this chat, I know Moody from my master's degree. We were in the same office, and Moody's the kind of guy where he... He was the one that burst into our office where there was like 12 people and he was like, we are all friends now. And <laughs> to this day, so it's been like four or five years, I'm still friends with a lot of the people in that office. Like, um, As one of those guys, I respect that. Yeah, he's one, of, he's one of those guys and he has to be because part of his role is when we studied together and when I went over to visit him in Java... He was a ranger in Bromo Semaru National Park, which is volcanic, which means that it's got amazing diversity of ecosystems. So it's got grasslands and jungle and rainforest and everything in between. And he was a really important ranger for all of that. A mm. story for another time is when I actually went to visit him, like the first day we went 
and we put out this huge grass fire. The second day, Moody fell off the side of a mountain in the jungle and we had to run back out. <laughs> it was such a huge time. Like, yeah, you've got to be like sort of heart of gold kind of guy to live the life that Moody lives. Um, and he messaged me because he was concerned because there's this hog population collapse in Sumatra. And, you know, just like everyone, the Sumatran people and Sumatran ecosystems are experiencing historic pressures right now, meaning that, you know, and like Moody explains, it's a, it's a social issue as much as it is an ecological one when you have these hog population collapses. And one of the things I did do when I was with Moody was go into a poacher's market. Mm. And poaching is a really big problem in Indonesia. And so when he messaged me saying, hey, we're under a bit of stress, we've got this hog problem and we're worried about poaching, I knew that to mean that that's a danger to the rangers as much as it is to the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to to talk to him and get him to explain the situation a bit better. Now, yeah. I can't let an opportunity like that go past where I don't ask a poaching market. How much is that like the cantina in Moss Eisley from Star Wars? Like a wretched hive of scum and villainy? <laughs> no, it's not like... like like Moody illustrates in the interview, poachers are not bad people. Poachers are people where that is the only way they're going to feed their families. You know, they are in a situation that is through systemic injustices and oppressions. They are in a situation where it is, you know, go and harvest and catch wild animals or modern slavery or starvation. Mm-hmm. That's where they're at. They're not, you know, heathens. And, and one of the great things about Moody is that he's so compassionate towards everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and he's really good at, even in really high-pressure situations, de-escalating and making sure that everyone is seen for who they are and their situation rather than, like, that they're the big baddies in the conservation world yeah i'm glad i asked the question right because of course that's what we've been sort of conditioned to think yeah you've got the cops and robbers it's you know good and bad and it's poachers and rangers and it's like no so yeah. yeah um and and there's a very distinct differential between poachers and trophy hunters yeah trophy hunters are scum Yes. Now there like, there are villains. Just they tend are, to be affluent white people. There are definitely villains in this. Affluent white people and people that yeah, extreme wealth who were like, oh, I want a pet leopard. Those people. They're yep. the big baddies here. Yep. Um So yeah. you know, uh, here on Sir the Curious we can make the big bold pronouncements and saying that trophy hunters can get fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Fantastic. Well I can't wait to learn more about Tigers that I never knew existed in Sumatra and hear more about this amazing, ecologically rich corner of the world and learn about it more with your chat with Moody. Cool. Let's get into it.
welcome to Moody. Hello, Eve. Thanks for inviting me to this talk. Yeah, before we begin, would you mind introducing who you are and what you do? Okay, my full name is Mahmudin Brahmadana, and, but people call me Moodin for, for, for short. And I'm doing, for now, I work in one of the, I think, the only Sumatran Tiger Conservation Project. Uh, it's actually a joint project between the United Nations Development Program and the Indonesian government, like, you know, the Ministry of Environment and Forestry. And um, before you did that, like, we met when you were studying ecology and, like, I think you can't interview Moody without talking a bit about birds <laughs> because... Yeah. <laughs> um, you wrote a guidebook for Bromo Semaru in Java. Yeah. And did all the yeah, photographs I, for? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I wrote a Birds of Bromo Tengger Semeru National Park. That that was my previous workplace before. It's also in National Park. Uh, it's in Java, different island. And yeah, like what you said, we met in uni. Yeah. And now you're working on the Sumatran Tiger Conservation Project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a cool project. I love, I like it, but yeah, unfortunately the project will be terminated by the end of this year. So yeah, but I'm still enjoying the last two months in, in, this, in this place. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I wish I could have come over. We were so excited yeah. when we heard you could work you were working for the Sumatran Tiger Project and, and it's yeah, a shame. Yeah, I expected you, as I said, you know. Yeah, but yeah, this is yeah. COVID. <laughs> so, yeah. Bloody pandemic strikes again. Ruining our plans. Um, <laughs> but we're talking today because the Sumatran Tiger is experiencing some pretty extreme challenges right now. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yes, true. The conservation status is critically critically endangered for Sumatran tiger. And I think the wild species is, the population number is around 300 to 500 for the whole island. So, <clears throat> and we, we were working hard to, to prevent Sumatran tiger uh, to be extinct. And as you might already know, in Indonesia, we have three subspecies of tiger and two has gone, sadly. So this is the last uh, tiger subspecies that we have. And yeah, people are working really hard. The world is working really hard to, to keep it exist. Yeah. And so, like, you've said that there are three subspecies of tiger in Indonesia, what is the ecological significance of like an apex predator like the tiger to an ecosystem? Um, yeah, actually it's, it has key role for the ecosystem because it rules the balance of ecosystem. And I think in Java and Bali, they, they got leopard, but in Sumatra, there's only tiger and no leopard. So once tiger missing uh, or, or it's extinct or going extinct, so there will be no top predator in this Sumatran tropical forest. In Java, we got 
another big cat, the Javan leopard. It's also subspecies, but very unique because they they are distinct. We also we still have Javan. Uh, we call it Javan leopard, but actually, uh, it's also live in Bali. Different with the tiger because the tiger, in each island, they have a very distinct genetic and morphological. Uh, trait, so they were assigned into three subspecies. So it's it's really important. Uh, I think it's super important in in, in like in a ecological term. Yeah, like and once we once we lose it, the food chain will be ruined in that way. Yeah. So um, anyone who's done ecology for the listeners would call it a trophic cascade where. Yeah. When, you, when you knock one domino off, it all has ripple effects all the way down through the ecosystem. Yeah, and eventually will affect human too, in Abs- a way. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you like? Do you see any social significance of of the Sumatran tiger around where you live? Yes. So. Traditionally, the Sumatran tiger has uh, a really special place in the local community and they respect it. They don't even call it tiger. I mean, like in Indonesia, you call tiger harimau, but people here, uh, how do you say it? Since they respect it, they call it, uh, in Indonesian, we call it uh, kakek or grandpa or in their local language so they have local language for tiger which all of those name refer to the old man like you know like in in Sumatra Barat province they call it uh, inia it means that um, grandpa, grandpa or grandfather and also in Aceh they call it rimeng and it's like why they give uh, special name because they really respect it. They really respect the tiger, and tiger has a mystical uh, position in in the community. That's for the local, but uh, for the common people now. I mean, like some people still live traditional, but some people live in the city. Uh, it's a pride. Uh, everyone really proud of having tiger, but but also you know the the pressure is still high. I mean, like, there are a lot of causes for that, but still, people actually feel worried when 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 something happened, like one tiger uh, came in a close contact with, uh, you know, the residential and stuff. So people are worried and and like you know care about it, but there are still a bad side of those. Yeah. Yeah, so there are challenges as well as this deep respect yeah. for for the tiger. So you mentioned that there are all these different pressures for the Sumatran tiger right now and that it's critically endangered. What are the main examples of those stresses that are going on? One of the biggest challenges for the tiger now is the habitat inversion. You know, I think Indonesia or or precisely Sumatra and Java is one of two most populated islands in Indonesia. So the pressure is high 
and also like Kalimantan is one of the largest place for for planting oil palm. So the expansion is is really it's rapid. It's also uh, you know it was it is influenced by the word demand on the oil palm. And just recently, I when I came here on on January, and I already saw like three places is being cleared for the palm oil, whether it's privately, uh, whether it's on personal, uh, you know, land, also by company. So yeah, that's one of the biggest challenge, the threat. And the second one, the poaching. I mean, like tiger has every part of the tiger can be sold. So it has high price, very high price. So the temptation of hunting it or poaching it is, is high. The third threat is the poverty. I mean, like, you know, poor people tend to get any opportunity to make yeah. money, to make living. So yeah, that's, I think, those all uh, main challenge for the tiger. There's another challenge, but not the, the biggest challenge for- Not for, the big ones, yeah. Yeah, it's the big one. I mean, like we have thing come and uh, come and go, come and go. I mean, like the challenge in like the conflict between the wildlife and human. But the biggest challenge is like you know the habitat conversion and also poaching and poverty. So like yeah, those three. Uh, yeah. Another one that I should mention is the illegal logging. It's also the scale is not big, but it's it it contributes to the destruction of the habitat one yeah is fire mm. some places in sumatra is really uh, prone to fire like the pitland fire like what my landscape here so the uh my my landscape where i work is dominated by pitland and one of the biggest challenges uh, fire but the fire actually caused by human activities so it's interconnected yeah. uh, and, and is the is people lighting fires part of the land clearing process or is it um, different yeah yeah that's part of the land clearing process whether it was done by local people or by the company uh-huh. mm-hmm. so yeah man so the tiger's up against it really yeah 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 you're part of a, a, a group that is working in tiger conservation. What it does your role um, entail? What do you do day to day to try and help protect the tiger? So this project actually, so there's another challenge for the tiger conservation, which is the governance of the institution who manage the landscape like the national park office and also the local forestry sector but government owned not not the company you know like in indonesia we don't use we use the term of environment mostly for the like you know very specific thing like pollution and climate and stuff but in governing the landscape the, the department that has the responsibility for it is the forestry department. So one of the project target is 
enhancing the role of the the stakeholders who manage the landscape in tiger conservation in in many ways like we facilitate the training for the staff and also <clears throat> we we also give the gap funding for for activities that the government can't fund in, in speci specifically in in tiger conservation activities and <clears throat> the second one we also has the target to to improve the population 10% of the tiger population in the whole landscape. So the way we do it by doing monitoring, like you know, regular monitoring, putting all the camera traps in all the landscape, and then counting, recounting the population, and then and then yeah, that sort sort of thing. And we also support uh, patrol, regular patrol for the rangers. So we provide fund for it, and yeah. Uh, and also we support for the law enforcement. If you need funding, if you need networks, if you need anything in law enforcement, so that's also one the one of the project support. And also, if there is a conflict between wildlife and human happen, so we also help to uh, mitigate and also to solve the problem. So those 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 are the areas that we do to support the tiger conservation. So yeah. we've already talked about how Sumatran tigers are apex predators and they're really important for keeping the whole ecosystem in check and mm. balanced. But right now what's going on is that there's a disease in the hog populations. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Decimating the hog populations. And that's a really key source of prey for the tiger. Yeah. Yeah. That's a new case. I think um, it was, the outbreak was started on February. So, and it's, it's spreading very fast. I think this is, we, we, we call it like, this is the COVID for the hogs. <laughs> <laughs> and it only affects the wild, uh, wild boar or wild, wild pig species. So it started in February from the North Sumatra. So that's the first case. But then it spread to the whole Sumatra in only like two months, I think. And wow. yeah, that's that's a really quick um, spread. And you know, I think I told you before uh, in our conversations, so people started to report everywhere. Uh, they saw like uh, the death of the wild hog around their garden, call it garden here, but probably in, in, I don't know, like, you know, their private garden. And, yeah. And also the boundary of the forest and the private land and uh, residential, they found a lot of uh, <clears throat> wild hog died, but also inside the, you know, the, the park, for example, that where I work, we do regular patrol, like, Almost every week we went into the forest and do the, the patrol and people, uh, the rangers reported that they saw the wild hog were died and also they rarely have the, in, the encounter. I mean, they don't meet them. Normally when we do patrol, uh, every day we will see like, you know, wild uh, <clears throat> hog running around with their babies and stuff. They're always in, in group. So that, that's the, one of the characteristics. And that time we have we don't we don't have the 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 data yet. I mean, like it's just like by the report 
of the people and also by the ranger. And on March, this is part of the tiger monitoring process. We put, we deploy all the camera trap in our monitoring site. I think we deploy around 144 um, camera trap. We took the camera by the beginning of September, which was last month. And then, yeah, we started to check all the photos and, you know, making all the, uh, putting all the data. And then we found, we found out that the last uh, appearance of the wild hawk on the camera is around uh, the first week of June. And after Thanks. that, we got almost nothing. While the year before in, in, in our series data, uh, the wild hawk is like, they always appear every day in the camera. <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> and then we started to, you know, to look at the tiger page and the, the pictures and I think we got one, I think that's uh, one really good photos which compare the same species, the same individual. So we identify all the tiger uh, by their <clears throat> stripes. So we know which individual is and then we give the name for it. So we have the data from the previous year. So yeah. And the first photo was taken on, I think, May. The second photo was taken on July, which I think it's like two months apart. And you can see how thin the tiger become, how skinny they are. Like, it's really easy to compare because the position is like almost exact yeah. position of the two photos. So like, wow, we, we were like, wow, this is a really good finding actually, sad finding, but a really good one. So we have the um data like uh, a good data that we can yeah you've got really great evidence to show yeah. what's going on yeah, yeah. so yeah i um, think it also affect other landscape but i don't know if they're lucky enough to get the dust that same photo that can <laughs> help them to examine not only the appearance of the hoax but also like you know you have the photo and yeah. Yeah, this is what happens if some, if one part of the ecosystem is getting trouble and other part of the ecosystem, you know, component will also get trouble. So, yeah. 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 And so I guess that's why it's so important to make sure that um, populations and habitats are stable so that they can withstand yeah. these shocks because, you know, I'm sure that if anyone could go well we're just not going to have any new diseases i think we'd all yeah. press that button right now but <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it is so yeah and so like how does like you said that your job and your role is a lot of talking to people and and different people from different sectors with different ideas of what they want and what they need from like these habitats and these landscapes when the tiger's under so much pressure, how does that change the way that you have to interact with the people who live near and around the tigers? Especially for that, for that case, you know, the, the virus, we call it, I think, 
African swine fever. So that's that's the term. Uh, it's also has a direct impact to the people around the <clears throat> the park because the tiger are start roaming and going out trying to find another prey. So and they started to be appear in a close contact with the human. So recently we got like in this park only in this landscape only we got three places the the people who live there reported to us that they lose their cattle and goat so so that's also uh in total i think in one place in total they already lose 11 cow Jay, that's not good yeah and also in other places i think more than dozen of gold that has been taken by the take and, and people can see it that uh, the tiger is around the, the residential. So for now, our main target is to avoid the tiger being hunt, being poached by the poacher. Because you know, normally, if you want to do, if you want to catch tiger, you have to go deep to the forest and then set up some traps and doing a lot of effort, a lot of money and labor to do that. But by in this kind of situation, it's easier for them. They just, like, you know, they just come to the village and probably wait. So what we do is we do the regular patrol around the, the we call it a conflict site because, it, because there's a conflict between wildlife and human. And also we set up some camera trap to identify which individual that is actually now going around uh, in and out in the village. Also, we talk to the villagers in order to calm they to calm them down. I mean, like because actually most most of the most of the villagers around on the tree side actually they're not angry to the tiger. They understand, so they didn't do any legal sue to the park or something. They just reported, and they when we talk to them, they said like it's not their it's not the tiger fault because they saw that uh, a lot of hope, a lot of wild pigs were die and then, and then like they understand the situation. But if this thing kept on happening, like, you know, they're losing the cattle, they're losing their girl, uh, probably the situation will get worse. So that's, that's why we started to come to the community and talk and trying to show them that we are doing some effort to contain this this case and also we put we set some traps for the tiger so we can relocate the tiger into other places but we we haven't managed to get any tiger into the 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 trap but that's what we do also and it's also help uh, people to be calmer and like you know trying to talk to make them think that okay the government and the project is doing their job to prevent more loss of, of their property like you know like the cattle and stuff also we will i think in in the next month we will distribute plastic pipe cannon it's a tool to scare tiger but not to yeah. kill them just yeah, like, okay, know, to, to, noises and stuff. 
So that's uh, that's uh, our plan next month. We will distribute those and we will teach people to make it on their own. The tool that you need is not expensive. They just yeah. we just need yeah. So we will train the villager to make it on their own, but but we also distribute some. So that's one of the way to to prevent uh, loss from the human side and from the tiger side. Thank you so much for yeah telling us all what's going on and like for your efforts in in trying to care for both people and and wildlife. It's amazing. Yeah, that that's our target. I mean, like you know, when people feel they respect tiger, but once tiger attack human, they will lose their patience and probably they will also lose the respect for the time they won't hunt all the tiger but that tiger who get into the contact will be a target mm. either from poachers or also from a villager who feel like because it happens a uh, couple of times when the tiger couldn't get any farm animal they might attack human and it happens a couple of times so that's all the thing that we wanted to prevent Especially, we wanted to pretend, prevent that human victim of this conflict, and then the tiger too, because once it happened, people, some people might take advantage and provoke others. They kill our brother or our uh, family, so we should do something. So that it's really important to make sure that we are there and we talk to the community and we show them that uh, there's a wise or safe way to mitigate to mitigate this conflict so yeah yeah you know uh, in this landscape 150,000 hectares but the tiger population is only I think the last estimate is around 22 so losing one is means a lot mm. Yeah, but the good news is from the latest camera trap, we saw three new cubs, which is really, yeah, <laughs> we didn't count it as the inner hall population because it, they're still, they don't have their own territory yet. So 22 is the number for the, the adult tiger. But yeah, it's a good year, actually. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Moody. No worries. And thank you so much for, yeah, you know, inviting me. back from trekking through the jungles of not Borneo. I don't know why Borneo about in my mind. It's around there, but the jungles of Sumatra to see all the hogs that aren't there anymore. Yeah, a whole bunch of dead pigs. Aww. Yeah, so is it that they're not just moving around and they haven't been caught on the traps? Or like, are the population, like, is it how, what's killing them? There's oh. an epidemic that comes, that just wiped them out. So like, Moody was saying you can see them all in their camera traps. So 
for those that don't know what a camera trap is, which we probably should go into, mm. a camera trap is literally a camera like a with a motion sensor yeah. that then you put it in like a box so it stays waterproof and, and safe from like if an animal decides to like eat it or something. <laughs> and then and then you come back after a month and you have a footage of whenever anything moved past it. So whenever that motion sensor goes off, the camera takes a photo um, or video, depending on the type of So trap. unlike a, a bear trap or something where it's just a big, you know, it catches an animal, then the thing dies and it's terrible. Camera traps take only photographs and leave only footprints. They're yeah. lovely. Yeah. And so when it comes to the hogs, like they were taking camera trap footage of hogs almost every day and then it was gone. And so that suggests quite strongly that they're not moving around. They're not going anywhere that they're, they're dead. Um, yeah. And, you know, as you said so well in the episode, as an apex predator, you need to eat so much. <laughs> and if that's your source of food and that's gone, well, you know, yes, there's worries about predation on other things. But there's also just the real fact that, like, a lot of tigers are just going to starve because they don't have food available. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the great things about Moody's interview, too, was um, how much effort the communities were putting in to coexist, even with all the pressures, even with climate change and COVID and habitat loss, and now the hog problem where the tigers are coming in and taking livestock, they, you know, the communities were still trying to make sure that the tigers were safe and respected and that they get to survive, which I think is really awesome. So this remaining species, of which there's some 300-ish members left, it's horrifying that, you know, there was three subspecies, two of them are already gone, gone completely from this area, maybe entirely no members left. Like, what? Like, ah, uh, extinction sucks, Eve. That's yeah. what I have to say. Extinction I don't like does it. suck. Yeah. Um, and I don't... I don't think it's it's really got no time to go into like the history of Indonesia, but like democracy there has always been under pressure and under strain. A really important part of this discussion is that when communities get the opportunity to determine what they value and how they want to use their land and their habitat, then they care about the biodiversity around them and the extinction crisis can't really be separated from those historical and present systems of not letting people decide what they want to do with their land. Yep, and it becomes <laughs> simply a matter of dollars and cents and extracting whatever you can out of that environment because you're not the one responsible for all of it. It's not yours. That's uh, linking self-determination and ecological care and responsibility is uh really obvious as soon as you say it i think it's really easy to think that it's like tigers living in the jungle and no one's around but, but no uh, there's people just down the road yeah <laughs> and, and, and a hell of a lot more and they love the tigers so <laughs> yeah. there's a hell of a lot more cases of people killing tigers than tigers killing people even in interfaces like that where the two populations are so close 
and both are strained, you know. But the tigers can't choose to, you know, do something else. At the end of the day, calories are calories when you're a tiger. Yeah. Um, I, I was struck with a thought, you know, with seeing, like, having that mental image of one day you're seeing a bunch of hogs on a camera trap and the next you're not. And it's a bit like you, if you're in a farming area and you see that there's not going to be any rain today and there hasn't been any rain for months and so there's just not going to be a harvest this season. So you know just by looking up at the sky that there's going to be starvation and death in your community. But as a human being, you can be like, well, maybe we can get water from an aquifer or bring it in by pipeline or get a truck of water. But when you're a tiger and you don't have opposable thumbs and day one there's hogs and day two there's not, it's plain as day for the humans watching that situation. But man, the tigers just got to be like, okay, it's time to find something else to eat or simply not eat. And yeah. It's just, ugh. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a pressure that they don't need, really. Yep. So why, with this situation, is the Tiger Project ending? I kind of, I've got questions remaining around that. Yeah. So the Tiger Project, I think, was only funded for five years, and well, I'm glad that there's no problem left. Everything's fine. And it's 2021. So. <laughs> Swine virus don't care, but apparently, no. yeah, we only fund things for election cycles and yeah yeah so um you know i think one thing that we as the international community can do is that this is a un developmental program funded project it's also a um, indonesian government funded project so i suppose we could if you wanted to tweet at the undp that you'd noticed this campaign and that you support it um you know that might be be beneficial and then also yeah just making sure that you're aware that yeah that idea of self-determination and that yep. like making sure that decisions around conservation are in the hands of local people and not in the hands of um nestle exactly <laughs> not to name names but yes let's let's yeah yeah, yeah. let's yeah it's Mondelay Nestle. I'm hopeful that, yeah, it, it remains funded and people like Moody, who's just, yeah, so passionate and able to talk to the issue with the, the complexity of, of what's actually going on on the ground and just the kind of people we need in, you know, like we, we talk about it all the time, right? Like conservation. And it was really abstract to me until I started talking to you and the people you know. <laughs> like, like, oh, okay, this is, yeah, it's economic development work. It's local human development and it's you're never trying to fix problems with the natural world you're trying to fix the problems of the human adjacent world yeah almost always except when you have to go and put out a fire put um, out a fire take out an invasive weed species that was also humans <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so much of that on the ground work is is talking to people and making sure that everyone's on the same page and that everyone's supporting each other and and i think one of the things that should never be underestimated is the risk involved in that because, you know, it's very easy to run into people with conflicting interests. And although poachers are not the villains in this story, there is a lot of money 
in destroying habitat. And it is a very risky and dangerous job to come up against that, even if literally what you're doing in Moody's case is handing out a pipe gum or setting a camera trap with a motion sensor. Like, (laughs) it's hard to articulate how risky those things are when there's a vested interest in stopping that from happening. Yeah, and and sort of getting away from that that 2D Disney vilifying of of the poachers and understanding their stresses and, you know, they're... They don't need a lot of other opportunities to decide to do something else, but the Nestle's and the big corporations of the world are kind of the the ones creating these systems and incentivizing the bad behavior because yeah. the, there's not a lot of money to be made in natural parks and natural resources remaining. Mm. Well, that was very interesting. I find myself uh, with answers to questions that I didn't know I had and, you know, yet more questions, as is always the way. So... Thank you so much for bringing this to us, Eve. I just think it's really important that we honor the work that they're doing because, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I feel like in the case of Moody, like I feel like his infectious charisma and just absolute faith in humanity holds a whole ecosystem together. <laughs> and it's amazing. Thank you so much.